tell you one quick, quick, funny story from this past week. Uh, I, I prayed for Mark Robel and encourage everyone to keep praying for him. But I visited with Mark uh, last week and we talked about the Lord, prayed. But then he, we talked a little sports as well. He can't talk very well, but he texts back and uh, he knew that I was preaching this week. So last night about 8.55 before a particular basketball game, he texted me and said, uh, praying for you, preacher, and for the Wildcats. So it was good for you. Uh, all right, Proverbs chapter 8. So on this first Sunday of 2018, as we look forward to this new year, uh, I think that it's true that all of us, no matter how great 2017 might have been, or if 2017 was hard, we're all hoping, we're all praying that 2018 will be blessed by the Lord in a unique way. And our theme this morning comes from uh, this concept of wisdom, of biblical wisdom, and that's what the book of Proverbs is all about. And I was to think about this passage, I was to think about this doctrine uh, as, we, as we start a new year, on this first Sunday of a new year, because unless the Lord returns in 2018, every one of us will be consumed with the day-to-day, week-by-week, moment-by-moment, event-by-event, encouragement-by-encouragement, disappointment-by-disappointment that just comes with being alive. And every one of us needs God's help as we are called to make decisions, as we're called to fulfill our duties, as we're called to engage our responsibilities, as we're called to be in relationships that are often easy, but sometimes not so easy. Every day, our callings will take us to a place where we must see that God is faithful and that he has a plan and a heart for us. So from Proverbs chapter 8, my question is, How do we ensure in God's grace that we can grow in wisdom in the new year? How do we mature this year? What does it look like to not simply hope for good luck in 2018, but rather how do we engage in what God has instructed us to do in this new year where we don't know what all will happen in the new year? In James chapter 1, Sarah read earlier, The first chapter, very familiar passage to many of us. The Holy Spirit instructs us that if anyone lacks wisdom, he is to ask God. And God gives generously to all without finding fault. It's a pretty easy passage to understand, a pretty easy passage to apply. And that's what I want to think about this morning. That wisdom is God's desire for his people. So it obviously begs the question. What is biblical wisdom? What does God have for us if he is instructing us to ask him for it? What's it look like in our lives? One definition that I like a lot comes from a uh, seminary professor of mine. He said that wisdom is simply having mastery in knowing how to live. That is, how is it that we're good human beings? Mastery in the art of life. Living in such a way that the means of this world make sense to us and we're able to thrive here in this world. Now seriously, don't we all want more of that? I think we do. But for Christians, wisdom is even more specific than than just that. Here wisdom is the God-given ability to understand how to live inside of his world, inside of his kingdom, while simultaneously living in a world that is opposed to him and his ways. 
Wisdom is the God-directed choices of life which flows from a soul that's constantly crying out, not my will be done, O Lord, but your will be done on this earth. Your will be done in my heart. Your will be done in my life. That's what we're talking about. How you decide, how you think, how you act, how to choose. We all this year are going to be filled with tons of decisions to make. To be wise is to know how to be a master of knowing God's ways here on this earth. You know, I love to see someone who's extremely blessed with a particular skill or a talent. And so many of you all are gifted in many different ways. Even Esther playing the violin this morning. Just to see someone who is proficient at a particular skill. Lisa and I have an old friend, a guy that I grew up with. Uh, He's an artist now in Asheville, North Carolina. He specializes in crafting images. He sculpts images into, into various pieces of metal. And it's outrageously beautiful. It's outrageously expensive. But when you watch him work, or when you go into his studio and you recognize when he goes into his studio to do what God has made him to do, he can get lost in the skill and the craft of doing his gift. And you've seen artists like that. You've seen musicians like that. You've seen writers like that. You've seen gardeners like that, where they're just so proficient that it becomes contagious and you just like to watch them work. In a similar way, you know, my prayer for us this morning, my prayer for us as a church, TCPC, that God will grow us in the skill, in the craft, in the act of living, of being wise, of knowing how to live. And from Proverbs chapter 8, I want to highlight just, just two simple observations this morning as we all are seeking to grow in wisdom in this new year. So two observations from the passage. First, may we embrace the call of wisdom. And secondly, may we embrace the cost of wisdom. So the call and the cost. First, let's let's look again at the call to grow in wisdom from verses 1 through 5. Let me read this again. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud, To you, O men, I call, and my cries to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. What you see here is a simple invitation. There's a call to everyone who is in need. And this call is God telling human beings to grow in wisdom. But it's not just a universal call. This is a full-blown marketing campaign. This is as if wisdom has become her own advertising agent. And she is saying, you need me. All children of man, you need what I have to offer. So understand the heart of God for you this morning. God desperately wants us as his people to make decisions based on his guidance for our good. That's what he wants. You know, I think in in some way this is uh, like a picture of someone walking into a strange city for the first time, maybe feeling a little lost, feeling confused, feeling frustrated, only to realize, oh, you don't have to be lost, you don't have to be frustrated, you don't have to be confused There's a neon sign shouting to you, here is the path. 
And its wisdom has personalized herself. And she is saying, I am the way and God desires to give me to you. She is saying, she is begging to the children of Adam, oh, come to her. You know, we as the children of man, we are to hear this call and we are to run to the source of wisdom. Again, see how passionately God desires your best. He's not hiding from you today. He's not hiding from you this morning. No, he is shouting to you, come to him. You know, I, I can't preach this passage and read this passage from Proverbs 8 and, and not sense that there is a similar call of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he calls to sinners to come and have their sin forgiven, to be justified, to be declared innocent because of the blood of Jesus Christ. But yet he doesn't leave us there. The call continues, come to me. Jesus is saying, in your sanctification, grow, be changed, become more like our Savior. And so with wisdom, we leave our lives of being self-led, and now we begin a life of being transformed. A picture of a lifetime of growth and change in the ways of the Lord. So as you see the call to embrace wisdom this morning, I simply ask you, what kind of life do you want in 2018? God's word is clear. If you look down at the verse, at verse 32 at the end of chapter 8, you'll see that the blessed life is the one that is built upon the promises of God. Let's be honest, folks. This is what our soul is craving. Our soul wants the Lord's blessing upon our life. As I studied and meditated on this passage the last couple of weeks, and I really thought of two dangers in answering this call. The first is very obvious. When I ask you the question of what's your desire today, if, if your heart is closed to the things of the Lord and you have no interest in Him or His ways or His kingdom or His law or His will, this passage is going to be frustrating for you because it really, you just don't care. And you're committed to a life built upon your own way and, and you're not going to answer this call. And I would simply say to you this morning, oh, please examine your life again. See that God is the one who has crafted you. He has made you. He is the one who has designed you. And he has a way in which you are made to thrive. Come to him. 2018 would be a great time to come to him. But the second danger I see, maybe this is for many of us, that if you've walked with the Lord for a long time, you have sought the Lord's wisdom for many years, maybe even decades. You've seen the Lord's goodness in the past, you have tasted his goodness. You've built your life upon him. I think that there's a danger that you might think that this call was something that simply happened once upon a time. But now you have this life so figured out that you think you no longer are in need of seeking the Lord and, and asking him to provide wisdom. And I would urge you to look at this passage afresh this morning and to see that wisdom is still shouting she is still calling to you. You see what wisdom's call does to every single one of us. It is a constant reminder that we are people in need. It is a constant reminder that none of us has arrived. No matter how long we've been walking with the Lord, this task is not finished. 
No matter how long you have been diligently pursuing the Lord, wisdom is still calling you because we have not arrived yet. I won't turn there now for the sake of time. But if you look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 are very well known, very loved. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. But verse 7 has been powerful in my own heart as I've studied and prayed for this. And it warns of the danger of being wise in your own eyes. That is for a human being to know some stuff, to have learned some stuff, but now think they've got it all figured out. For Christians, people who once were God's enemies and now adopted into his family, see this morning that as long as you have breath, God is changing you. God is molding you. God is at work inside of us. So men and women of all ages, all experiences, all backgrounds, all Bible knowledge, all levels of leadership, be humbled this morning and know that you're in need of wisdom. Every one of us, this call reaches to our innermost being and saying, come to me and be taught. And if you think about it, a master artist, master gardener, master writer, Master woodworker, they're never satisfied. They never go through the motions. They never get sloppy. No, they're continually growing and learning and developing. And I think that that is what wisdom is doing for all of us. You know, I feel like this message is often preached to the youth of the church, and and rightly so. I, I do hope the youth of our church grow in wisdom. But yet I fear it can wrongly be forgotten by those of us who have been around for a long time. Let me just say, parents, this morning, your children need you to press on in your growth of faith and repentance. Your children need you to be changing, to be growing, to be developing, to grow in your knowledge of the Lord and the wisdom of his ways. Your children need you to grow in grace so that you will not be wise in your own eyes and turn them away from the things of God. They desperately need wisdom to fill your heart so that your pride will not. Grandparents, we need you to continue your journey of dependence to model for us what it's like to pursue the Lord all of your days. Elders and deacons of TCPC, this congregation needs you to humbly seek the Lord to receive from him his ways for the church in this new year. Yes, being grateful for the ways of the past, but calling out to him again and again and again. Understand this morning, no one is exempt to this call. Every one of us, we need God's wisdom. Does not wisdom call? Yes, she does. So first, see the call. But now secondly, embrace the cost. Notice what it costs for wisdom. Verses 7 through 13. I won't read it again, but you can examine on your own. The nature of Old Testament poetry, particularly the book of Proverbs, is often to reveal a contrast. In fact, as one reads through the book of Proverbs, each of these little statements, the truth, the principle, the nugget, if you will, it's found when you contrast the two things together. The entire book of Proverbs is an unfolding of the contrast that exists on one hand of Lady Wisdom, And on the other hand, Lady Folly. And you see these two things, and these are the two paths of life. 
When you compare and contrast them, you see the truth of God's ways. But implicit for us then is the reality that we must choose one thing against another. There's a battle for wisdom. There's a competition for wisdom. God's people must always look at our lives and recognize that there are two competing systems at work for every one of us. Our hearts yearn for the wholeness of of an inner man that has the peace of God, but yet the temptation of our soul is looking for it in all the wrong places. So then the question becomes, if you're to answer God's call for wisdom this year, this morning, what will you choose to leave behind? What will you choose against? What are the opportunity costs of seeking wisdom in a competitive system? If you look back at verses 10 and 11, you see how the the contrast is highlighted. We see that in comparison to worldly wealth, wisdom is not an alternative, but rather it is always something greater. You know, what stood out to me as I meditated on the passage are the phrases, instead of silver or gold, rather than riches of the earth, better than whatever the earth has to offer, implying that even if you had the very best that this world could ever provide materialistically, if you had whatever you wanted, but you did not have wisdom, then you are to be pitied. Having the best of this world but not understanding how to live in this world will never create the peace in this life you're looking for. You see, the ability to see God's ways will always be greater than anything else. So in your lives this year, as you seek God's wisdom, the challenge is to choose God's ways above all other things. So what does that actually look like? Well, that could be a whole sermon series, and I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to mention one thing. Look back at verse 6 and 7, and look back at verse 13. I trust that the Lord will bring the conviction for all of us. Here's one part of wisdom that must happen. Verse 6, here, for I will speak of noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth, wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Verse 13, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech. I hate. Do you see what wisdom hates? It is that which is opposed to God's holy ways. It is that which is evil. The will of God for your life will always be that which is fighting against evil. His word, his spirit revealed in our lives over time will always lead us away from those things that Jesus hates. The movement of Satan will always, always entice us to think that those things are not that bad. And see wisdom's heart this morning. There is a hatred of evil. Again, from verse 6, we are talking about noble things. Understand this morning, if you know Jesus Christ, then you are royal. Your Father, your Savior, Jesus Christ is the King. And if you know Jesus, He is your brother. 
You're part of a royal family and his ways are special. They're holy. They are for him. Here's the point. God's wisdom given to us will lead us away from those forces of evil where temptation wants us to go. I included in our order of worship this morning part of liturgy that that I thought was appropriate. Dealing with the issue of idolatry. Because I want us to see again, if we're going to be people seeking wisdom in the new year, we can't be people who simultaneously are holding on to sin. We can't be people who hold on to our idols and hope to tolerate them while simultaneously hoping to see God's goodwill in our life. Last week, Robert preached a great sermon on essentially the mortification of New Year's resolutions. It's a great, great sermon to hear on the first day of, uh, of every year. It's a constant reminder that we are to kill sin. And the great theologian John Owen has that great quote of, you be killing sin or sin will be killing you. If you're going to be wise this year, do you hate the evil that pervades us that our hearts actually want to enjoy. You cannot be an artist of life while tolerating those things that will destroy your life. My son and I last week uh, saw a new movie, The Darkest Hour. If you haven't seen it, it's great. Uh, It's a story of Winston Churchill and his quest uh, to stand against Hitler even when no one else would stand against him. Don't want to give the movie away, but it is history and it's been around for a long time, so I trust you know what happens. But Churchill saw evil for what it was. He saw Hitler, he saw the Third Reich, and he did not want it anywhere near his country or anywhere in Europe. Yet his advisors encouraged him to make a treaty with Hitler in hopes that crafting a deal prematurely would find a suitable solution where both sides could live together in harmony. And Churchill wrestled with the thought, what would life be like if Hitler is able to have his thing and we can have our thing at the same time and maybe we'll all get along really, really well? Again, you know how this ends. Churchill states to Parliament, he said that Britain will fight on the streets, Britain will fight in the air, Britain will fight on the beaches. Even if we all die in our quest, we will die fighting evil. And that's what they did. And I just say to us, TCPC in 2018, may we be found fighting against sin. That we would not tolerate sin in our life. Until Jesus returns, we are going to have sin. But may we be found fighting against it. May we not negotiate. May we not tolerate. May we not pretend it is there. But rather, may we hate what the Lord hates. The wise person is the one who will choose to wage war against that which God has waged war against. So I ask you, friend, in your private life this year, will you let other people in and speak truth and ask for help? In your daily life at work, your daily life fulfilling your callings, will you seek to glorify God in all ways? In your financial life, 
Will you seek to follow the, the principles of stewardship that the Lord has provided? And in every single aspect of our days, may we see that there is no place for pride. There is only a place for the Lord to speak his instruction to us. Because that is where joy is found. You see, the wise person is the one who is blessed. The wise person is the one who is happy. Even in a fallen world, the wise person is the one who understands the grace and the reality that Jesus Christ has set you free. So this year, may God make us a church growing in wisdom. He told us to ask, so today we ask. May we all be a people calling out for him because we long for his good gifts to us. May we be a people that love to hate what Jesus hates and love the good that he has for us. As we come around his table, we are reminded of his great love for us. Let's pray and prepare hearts to come to communion. Father, we do pray as a church this morning that, that you would make us wise, that you would grow us, that you would change us. But Father, that, that we would be people known for our humility because you have revealed to us uh, your great heart to teach us. Lord, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for the goodness that you provide to us uh, in the sending of Jesus Christ. So as we come around his table now, refresh our hearts again with the gospel story. In Jesus' name, amen.